Welcome back to another episode of Life is Full of Daisies, where we talk all things life. I'm Daisy Ayala, and on today's episode, it's all for the ladies, and we talk hormones and periods. With my amazing guest, Jenna Longoria, who specializes in hormonal health. She's a board-certified functional nutritionist and known as the period guru. She helps women reclaim their hormones by working with them by achieving pain-free, regular periods, and optimizing their fertility. Welcome to our podcast, Jenna. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, I've been excited to do this particular topic because, well, one, I'm a woman, and... (laughs) Who a lot of my friends and I now that they're having kids and all this all of a sudden we're starting to talk about cycles and what we're feeling and how some of them are so painful and whatnot. So I just find this topic very fascinating. Well, awesome. I'm glad you find it fascinating because I do too. <laughs> I know. I was just like I said, I found you on an Instagram and I started following you and then I've been following you and taking some of your tips because you also talk a lot about PCOS, but that's another story for another day, which I have or I was diagnosed with, but I've already been doing a lot of the things that you've recommended and because I've gone through my own journey with it. So I've had to learn how to deal with it and help my cycles be more regular and not Mm -hmm. as painful. Yeah. I mean, it's all interrelated. PCOS, endometriosis, gut Mm -hmm. problems, digestion problems, Uh, fatigue. It's all related to your hormones. And that's why I'm the period guru. It doesn't mean that I just talk about periods. It's actually, it's because our periods are a fifth vital sign. So the other vital signs are your heart rate, your body temperature, all very important vital signs that uh, are barometers for our health. And Mm. the period is the fifth one for women. So if there's something wrong with our period, that's an indicator that there's something wrong somewhere else in our body and there's some type of imbalance that needs to be addressed. Yeah, no, I'm glad you said that because a lot of people are like, oh, my period's just my period. It's painful because it's always been painful. But in reality, what you just said is there's always an indicator that there's something else wrong. Yeah. I mean, painful periods might be common, but they're not normal. And I think that's what, you know, we're led to believe in society today that it's just part of being a woman and suck it up, take some Advil, get a hot water mm-hmm. bottle. But actually, no, you know, periods are not supposed to be painful. There are things to do that can bring you into more more of a place of peace. So that is true, which we'll get into in a little bit. But first, I want to backtrack a little bit. I want you to tell us a little bit about your journey and how you became the period guru. Yeah. Well, I I am a true believer that our pain is our purpose. And I did not have a a very healthy start to my life. I I also have PCOS and I have endometriosis. So for those of you listening, PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is a metabolic syndrome. And I wasn't officially diagnosed until my late 20s. So as a teenager, I had a lot of symptoms like irregular periods, ovarian cysts, Mm -hmm. depression, anxiety, all of, all of things that are symptoms of PCOS. And all the doctors wanted to do was put me on the birth control pill. That's That was their mm-hmm. only answer. They never gave me a diagnosis or just like, take the birth control pill. So at the age of 15, I did take the birth control pill and it completely changed me. Like it gave me all of these negative side effects. It made me depressed. I gained a lot of weight. I became like, I, I was really athletic and then all mm-hmm. the, and, and, and was in acting and really was outgoing. And it made me like nervous to be on stage stage. I didn't want to do sports anymore. And so I had all of these health symptoms, these side effects. And so one day when I was, when I went off to university, I was like, you know what? I don't want to take this anymore. Like, I didn't know why I didn't want to take birth control anymore, but I just knew that like, it 
was, I was like, maybe this is causing a lot of my symptoms and why I feel so crappy, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I got off of it. And long story short, I felt so much better. Not at first, because when you first get off of hormonal birth control, Mm -hmm. after using it chronically, there's a lot of side effects, which I help women navigate today. But Mm -hmm. I just knew I went back to the doctor after getting off of hormonal birth control when I was about 20 years old and I was in university and I hadn't, I didn't have a period for six months. So on the pill, you have a period. And if you could see Mm -hmm. me, you could see I'm doing air quotes. But actually, you're not really having a period when you're on hormonal birth control. You're having what's called a withdrawal bleed. It's just a withdrawal bleed from the synthetic hormones and the birth control pill. So I I wasn't, so even though I was bleeding every month on the pill, I wasn't having a period because the pill shuts off your hormones. So anyway, long story short, I got off the pill. I had six months of no period. I had all of this acne. I had bacne. I was like, it was just crazy. I was like having mood swings. And so I went to the doctor and I was like, hey, what can I do? Like, I haven't had a period for six months. I got off the birth control pill. And he was like, well, here, you know, I can help you. And I was like, yes. In my head, I was thinking there's an answer. And uh-huh. uh, he gave me a prescription for more birth control. And I oh. and I, I looked at him and I said, you know, no, I want my body to have its own period. I don't want to take the birth control pill. And I'll never forget this because he looked at me with this face of like just this patronizing look. And he goes, why? And I just said, you know what? I don't have an answer for you. But intuitively, that's how I, I just, I think my body should be able to make its own hormones and have a period. And so after that, doctor after doctor gave me the same advice. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going back to school to learn everything I can about women's hormones, nutrition, and I'm going to find out what's wrong with me. I wasn't originally doing it to help others. I was just doing it to help myself. And mm-hmm. when I did find the answer and I did put my PCOS and my endometriosis into remission without the use of hormonal birth control, I just knew I had to share it with everyone else. So. Oh, that's awesome. That's how well, I'm the period through. No, that's awesome. There's nothing like a driving force for your own personal purpose. And then you use that to help others after you figured out the pathway and all the things that you should be doing instead of taking birth control. Cause you're right. When I was diagnosed, that's the first thing they pushed on me is birth control, but like you, and then they also gave me like all the other medications that went with it. Cause I yeah. had gained weight and I had all the other symptoms, but I felt miserable. And mm-hmm. I, I were you on that formin? Did they put you yep. on that formin as well? Yes. Yeah. Since so birth control. Oh yeah. my goodness. Oh, so sorry. And I felt miserable. And at that point, that's when I had started my journey into like really getting fit. And you know, the doctor, that's what they pushed. And then I was like, okay, I'll do it. But like I said, I started feeling so miserable. I wasn't myself, my skin looked horrible. And I never had skin problems in my life. And then finally, I decided I started going to this gym where they were talking about paleo and healthy eating. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna start like doing my own thing and figuring it out on my own. But It wasn't like you where I went back to school. I just kind of did it for myself because I needed to feel better. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'm glad you're here and you're going to share a lot of great tips and advice for for all the ladies out there because I know, like I was telling you, a lot of people, they just don't know what's normal and what's Mm -hmm. not normal. Absolutely. Happy to share whatever I can to your audience that will be helpful. What are some common period myths? Yeah. So I guess the number one period myth is that they're supposed to be painful and that's normal. Periods are not supposed to be painful. They might be common, but it's not normal. 
So period should, a little bit of cramping on the first day of your period is normal, okay? If you have some mild cramping and maybe you just uh, put a hot water bottle on it and it goes away, or you take an Advil or drink some ginger tea and it goes away, that's fine. Like, But if you're having pain to where you can't get out of bed, you're missing work, you take ibuprofen and it doesn't do anything, the pain is going on for days, that is definitely not normal. So I would definitely say that's the myth number one. The second biggest myth is that a period on the birth control pill or hormonal birth control is a period. It is not. That is a withdrawal bleed, as I discussed earlier. And you know, the birth control pill has those white placebo pills, and that's Mm -hmm. the week you bleed. Now, the only reason you're bleeding is because your uterine lining is shedding from the withdrawal from the synthetic hormones and the birth control pack. The birth control pill and other forms of hormonal birth control actually shut off your hormones. So you're not having a period. So a true period is when you ovulate mid cycle. Mm -hmm. And then you and then you have a period. So ovulation must take place in order to have a real a real period. So all this time, I honestly, that's one of the things our misconceptions that I've had is I thought with birth control, even when you had a period, I assumed that you also were ovulating, but that doesn't mean that you are. No, no. Yeah. With the birth control pill and synthetic forms of birth control, you are not ovulating. So you're not making the nourishing hormones that our body needs like estrogen and progesterone that are good for our thyroid, our mood, our heart health, our bone health. We're basically casually flipping off the hormone switch on women. You know, the birth control pill was the first medicine that was approved by the FDA that was actually designed for healthy people. Up until then, medicines had a purpose to cure an illness, but Mm -hmm. birth control pill was being used on healthy, fertile women to shut off fertility. So it was actually a really novel uh, invention because it was giving healthy people medicine for the first time to fix a problem that wasn't a problem. Now, I'm not anti-birth control by any means, and I think all women deserve equal access to it, but it's, it's meant for pregnancy prevention. So if you're using it for pregnant pregnancy prevention, then excellent if that's the choice that you've made. But if you're using it to treat acne, to quote unquote regulate your period, which is false because we just learned it doesn't regulate your period, it takes mm-hmm. it away, or to, f- to get rid of painful periods, then you're not using it for the reason it was intended. And in that case, using the birth control pill for PCOS or painful periods is just kind of like um, putting a Band-Aid on really mm-hmm. massive problem. And just pretending that it doesn't exist. That's so true. That's so true. That's what I thought. About. I was like, why am I on birth control? It's like, I don't need it. It's yeah. that's the only reason they gave it to me so I could start having a, in quotation marks, period. Wow. Yeah. And I know. And these, are, these are doctors. I'm just like, why? These are educated, intelligent people. And it's not the doctor's fault. It's not like they want to hurt us. It's just that, that this is a systematic problem in the medical education mm-hmm. paradigm because these doctors are being trained that the birth control pill is a panacea for all health problems. And, you know, just like, let's take your instance and my instance, PCOS, because I'm sure other women listening to this have PCOS. Mm -hmm. The birth control pill has been linked to insulin resistance. It increases insulin resistance. Now, what we know about PCOS is that it is caused by insulin resistance. So why would you want to take a pill that makes insulin resistance worse? Also, it's, uh, I mean, if you're you're making your insulin resistance worse, then it's going to exacerbate the PCOS symptoms. So, and Metformin, Mm -hmm. like you were given, you were given the birth control pill, which increases insulin resistance, then metformin, which is supposed to 
get rid of insulin resistance. And I was like, like what, what is going on? on? Yeah, exactly. Instead of just like maybe saying, hmm, let's focus on uh, changing this the diet to more of a, you know, blood sugar stabilizing lifestyle diet. And let's find out why blood sugar is high and let's support her uh, in that way, which a lot of times my clients coming to me don't have to take metformin because it's really amazing. And it's just as little as two weeks. If you eat a blood sugar balancing supportive diet, how quickly your (laughs) blood sugar regulates. Right. You mentioned diet and I just want to make that so important for anyone listening is that your diet, for me, that's what helped me dramatically is just changing my diet and changing how I thought about food and the foods that I use to feed my body. And like I said, when I went paleo and gluten and dairy free, that was the game changer for me. Yeah, I I bet it was like, I just can't say it loud enough is like that is what (laughs) helped me personally. And I still indulge a little bit. I love my bread, but I have to pick and choose when and how much because I will feel it immediately as soon as I've eaten gluten. Mm-hmm. Like, like your blood sugar it. raises and then all of a sudden it drops and you yeah, get the like, low blood sugar like shakes and mood swings. Yeah, sometimes it, depending on how much, but even then it's like it, it affects my joints. Yeah, same here. I know. Same here. If I eat and I, you know, I'm currently in Italy, so I don't eat gluten. I'm pretty, I'm a, you know, I've learned to, I have to stay away from gluten hundred percent. If I don't, then my PCOS symptoms come back or mm-hmm. definitely what's very quick is to come back is joint pain. So if I eat gluten the next day, oh my gosh, my wrists, my mm-hmm. joints, my lower back, but it is about balance. And so I'm, I'm, I was in Naples today, which is where pizza was invented. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I'm going to eat a pizza, you know, and I'm going to enjoy this pizza and I'm not going to be like, oh my gosh, and feel guilt about it because it's all about balance. And I had a pizza and it was fabulous. <laughs> here, I'm like, hey, I'm always all about the balance and making sure that you're, you know, doing things that are right for your body and helping you long term, but also mm-hmm. indulging a little bit. There's nothing exactly. Wrong with that. But I think the real shift happens when you go from I can't eat that to I don't want to eat that. Because to tell you the mm-hmm. truth, the pizza was great today, but I've I mean, I have a little bit of brain fog right now and tomorrow I'm going to have joint pain. And so I don't, I really don't like that to me to eat gluten a lot is not worth it because it makes me feel like crap, makes me feel bloated. If I did it every day, my PCOS and endometriosis symptoms would come back. But as a nice treat a few times a year, it's, it makes it actually like that much more amazing. And there's so many gluten-free alternatives out there nowadays. We're so lucky that Mm -hmm. you really don't need to eat gluten. It's obsolete. That is true. That is true. But dairy, I mean, when you have cheese involved, that's a different story. It's like, <laughs> And everyone's different. You know, I'm a little bit on the fence with the dairy with PCOS. I used to be like no dairy whatsoever. But from anecdotally working with clients, I've noticed that there are some of my PCOS clients that can tolerate some, some dairy. Others mm-hmm. can't. Um, when we address gut issues going on, uh, sometimes the these women can eat dairy after we balance their their microbiome. So it just depends. But definitely gluten. I'm I'm just you can't convince me otherwise. Like I just do not think it serves a place at the table for women with PCOS or endometriosis, or for that matter, most people, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Unpopular opinion, but that's my opinion. Hey, but you're the period guru. So we trust your opinion. <laughs> this question was asked by one of my friends, and she said, "What are common signs of?" Of an unhealthy period we all think are normal? Great question. So a healthy period. So when I say period, first of all, it's really important to get this definition right. Period is the days you're bleeding. The menstrual cycle is the whole event. So the menstrual cycle is anywhere from 25 to 36 days. The period when you're bleeding should be three to seven days. 
that would be a healthy amount of time to bleed. So three to seven days to anywhere from 25 milliliters to 80 milliliters of blood loss. 80 is on the high end, 25 on the low. We want an average around 55 milliliters is, is good. We want it to be the color of like a bright cranberry red and the consistency of maple syrup. So we don't want lots of clots. We don't want it to be dark purple, brown, or any other colors. Now, sometimes women do have a little bit of brown blood at the beginning and at the end, and that's old oxidized blood that didn't get out of the uterus quickly. And there are some reasons for that as well. We don't want too much of that. And it should be pretty much pain-free. But as I said, mild cramping on the first day is in the normal realm of discomfort. But I don't want it to be like painful. You don't ever want to be like, ah, like clutching your, your stomach and having not being able to stand up. And so- those would all be normal parameters of a healthy period. Oh, okay. As you get older, is it normal for your period to change in frequency or duration? Absolutely. So as you get into perimenopause, which happens can happen as early as 15 years before menopause, and let's get these definitions straight. So perimenopause is the 10 to 15 years before menopause. And menopause happens when you have gone one year without a period. Now, obviously, there are some hormonal imbalances that young women will go a year without a period. That's amenorrhea, absence of a period. So we're not Mm -hmm. talking about that. So if you're like in your 40s, 50s, 60s, and you've gone a year without your period, then that's most likely menopause, right? But if you're 20, and you go without a period, well, there's probably something going on. It's not menopause. So as you get closer to perimenopause, your egg supply is lower, you're ovulating less frequently, you're making less estrogen. So your periods could be less frequent Mm -hmm. as you get closer to menopause. Oh, well, that's true. I mean, my mom went through all that. So I'm very familiar with like her telling me what she went through. It's very important to note that perimenopause and menopause doesn't have to be a horrible event. So if you're someone that has horrible periods when you're young and you have painful periods or regular periods, hormonal acne, things like that, then if you don't address that when you're young, then yeah, you're going to have a pretty crap menopause. It's like you can't escape it. You can't just take the birth control pill and be, oh, okay, my acne's gone. Because when you get off that pill, it's still good. The root cause is still there. So that's why it's really important to address these hormone imbalances when you're young. So then you're not one of those women having crazy hot flashes and the most horrible menopause experience of her life. It doesn't have to be a horrible journey. Well, so is it normal how you have PMS symptoms? Obviously, because there's hormonal changes going on in your body. Yeah. I mean, if you have a few days of having like a little bit less patience, maybe more emotional. Yeah. Things like that. That's fine. But like, you know, you don't want to have a one to two weeks of crazy mood swings and acne and so irritable that you're losing friends or relationships or jobs. That's a sign of hormone imbalance. I think that's also another myth. It's like, oh, PMS is just part of being a woman. It's like, no, actually a healthy period should really sneak up on you. You shouldn't have swollen breasts. You're not going to have crazy mood swings. You're not going to be sobbing uncontrollably. You're not going to have anxiety. If your hormones are balanced, you do not have those things. And then when you say if your hormones are balanced, like what are the things that you can do to know that your hormones are balanced? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm a functional nutritionist, so I'm a big believer in diagnostic testing. Mm -hmm. So you really can't know exactly what's going on with your hormones until you do the proper testing. So you need to 
you know, properly test your hormones. But before you do your hormones, you have to properly test your gut. I never, ever test solely the hormones. I don't do it. I test the gut first before I even test the hormones because the gut creates the hormones. The gut is this place where it all stems. Mm -hmm. So if you're just going to a hormone expert, quote unquote, air quotes, and they're just testing your hormones and they're not an expert. Ah, oh, that's interesting because I love that you said you have to test your gut because I've recently gotten into figuring out the gut health because I, you're all about probiotics and I was having trouble with like certain foods and I was like, something's off. And that's where I'm at right now as far as like my journey and that is I'm learning about the gut health. Yeah, that's I didn't even great. Know that. that was a whole thing. But I can't stress like eventually working with a practitioner who's an expert in this area and who can do the right diagnostic testing will save mm -hmm. so much time and frustration. And actually over the long run, will save you money because it's like trial and error. Let me read this on Google. Oh, I hear this probiotic's great. Oh, I hear that this food is good. Oh, maybe I have this gut imbalance because I took this quiz online. Let me try this vitamin. Let me spend 50 bucks on this and that and that. It all adds yeah. up and it's frustrating when it's just like work. Come on, y'all find, it doesn't have to be me, find a practitioner who's spent their life specializing in this, get the right testing, mm -hmm. get to the root cause, and then save yourself the hassle. I wish that like, the, you know, when you go in for your well women's, I wish they would say, you know, we can also do a gut test or a go. I don't see that happening in the foreseeable future. I wish it would too, but I, I really don't see that happening, especially in the US with our health insurance model. Uh -huh. I, I wish it would, you know, I really wish, I think you're right. Like if, if we started with the gut, but you'd have to go to a functional practitioner or integrative practitioner for that. A lot of I mean, some of my clients, when we do the GI maps that I run and the mm -hmm. things we find and they go to the doctor and I have like an herbal protocol and it's, I don't use antibiotics. And the doctor's like, well, why don't you just take an antibiotic? And I'm just like, oh, oh my I gosh, you're that. missing the whole point of- Antibiotics are bad. <laughs> They're bad, bad unless you have the life-threatening infection. Exactly. But to, to take- to take an antibiotic to get rid of like a parasite or to get rid of a bacteria imbalance is, is like there being a little bug in the in the house. And instead of just yeah. like, you know, putting the bug in a cup and letting it outside of the house, you, you napalm the house. It doesn't make yeah. any sense at all. No, that's true. I mean, yeah, if you have a life-threatening illness, then yes, you need to, if you need to take antibiotics, yes. But I don't like how as soon as there's some sort of something off, they're like, well, let's, the first thing is let's prescribe you antibiotics. Yeah. And I'm just it's, like baffled by that. It's crazy because it's just going to perpetuate more of an issue because after you take antibiotics, then your gut, your, all of your gut bacteria, the good and bad has wiped clean. You're more prone to future infections. Yeah, I, it just doesn't make any sense. One of the things that was highly asked was the side effects of hormonal birth controls. And then one person specifically said IUDs like Skyland hormonal IUDs, how do they affect your nutrition. Okay. Yeah. Well, first of all, let's start with hormonal birth control. So we're talking about like oral contraceptive pills, implants like the Nexaplan, Depo-Provera uh, shots, uh, or patches. So these types of hormonal birth control that use synthetic hormones. So progestin, which is not progesterone. If your doc a doctor sometimes, you know, casually use the two interchangeably, they're completely different in structure, progestin to progesterone. So progestin and then a synthetic estrogen. Mm -hmm. And what they do is shut off your ovulation, shut off your hormones. So one thing that it does, because we're not ovulating, we're not making progesterone, which is the calming hormone. So a lot of uh, the pill can cause anxiety because we're not getting this calming hormone. Our thyroid health suffers because we need healthy levels of progesterone for a healthy thyroid. Bone density, uh, we lose about the research from Dr. Geraldine Pryor has shown that we lose 1% of bone density every year that we are on the birth control pill and we don't ovulate. Now that is to me, oh. uh, it's just, is very 
scary, especially because you're having these young teenagers being put on it. Imagine if you're on chronically a decade on this pill and you're losing all of this bone density, especially, you know, women are more prone to osteoporosis in later years. Mm -hmm. So another one is it, it has a mild antibiotic in it. So it does kill off some of the good bacteria in the gut, causes leaky gut. So then you're left nutrient deficient because your body's not able to absorb nutrients from your food. It's, it increases your risk of breast cancer. They've correlated it to autoimmunity. And that's probably because of the leaky gut. And leaky gut is a way of saying that there's just permeability in your intestinal linings and food particles, toxins get into your bloodstream and then your body attacks that. And you have this chronic inflammation that causes, crosses the blood brain barrier and causes, leads to disease. And let's see, it can make you pick the wrong mate because it cuts off your hormones. So then you're attracted to the sense of other partners that are more genetically similar to you. So then when you do get off the birth control pill, you're not attracted to your partner anymore. Those are the top ones that I can think of right now. Wow. No, I have heard about that <laughs> where it, it attracts you to the wrong mate. And I was like, well, I guess I won't have that problem because I'm not on birth control. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's not, you know, don't go freaking out if you, you met your husband when you were on the birth control pill and got off of it. I'm not saying you're, everyone's going to get divorced, but they are finding studies that they're, they're blaming synthetic hormones on the high divorce rate. And it makes complete sense to me when you look at the research and how the pill affects the brain. So no, this, this yeah, is, this is fascinating because you're right. Like it's you're putting all these things in your body and it's shutting off what your body's naturally supposed to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, to me, it's like, it doesn't make sense. It's like, okay, so women are fertile technically one day out of the month. So 12 days a year, yet to prevent pregnancy, we turn off all of their hormones that they need for health, for brain health. But men are fertile. 365 days of the year, but no one seems to care about that. <laughs> I don't understand yep. why they, and I understand the responsibility is placed on us because if we get pregnant, we're the ones that bear most of the responsibility. So if, if there was a pill for the guy, could we really trust a guy saying, Hey, I'm on the birth control pill. Don't worry. <laughs> like, I, don't I mean, nah, I don't exactly. In my opinion, right? No, can um, we trust that but, they were actually taking it? So, but does, there's a, there's a host of side effects. It's really disturbing, especially chronically. If you're taking it over time, it can have, it can have impacts on your future fertility, make it really, really difficult to conceive when you ready, when you are ready to start trying for a family. So I just feel like there are, are other options out there to hormonal birth control and exploring all those options is each and every one of you deserves that you deserve to be mm -hmm. able to explore your other options before you make your decision and if hey the birth control pill is what you feel is the best option for you then go ahead and do it that's awesome and that's your right and going into what you the question with the hormonal IUD mm -hmm. like the Skylar the Marina that are progestion only those are so the progestion only actually in studies has been linked to higher levels of depression. So that's another huge side effect of hormonal birth control pills is depression. So, but progestion only IUDs, same thing. It could, it could cause some inflammation and cause some imbalances in the gut and make it more difficult for your body to break down and digest the food and absorb the nutrients. So, and that would be one of the side effects of that for oh. nutrition. And then, so going back when you were discussing, cause you said IUDs are mainly what progestion the, only, they're progestion only. Unless you have the copper IUD, which is hormone free. So that's why if like you decide to get an IUD, I definitely recommend copper over a hormonal one because at least there's no hormones, you're still ovulating. That would be the choice, uh, the best choice for an IUD would be copper. Oh, okay. But those, what is what is the highest side effect that you've seen 
from just like the other IUDs? From the copper IUD or the hormone? No, the progesterone. The, the progesterone uh, there's a certain type of brain tumor that can happen from pressure and fluid buildup in the brain. There is depression. There's uh, multiple studies showing that there's a correlation between progestin-only birth control pill and antidepressant use. Oh, Inflammation, the body can reject the IUD and it can move around and cause autoimmune issues because it's a foreign object in the uterus. So if you have any familial history of mental illness or autoimmunity, I would think twice about getting the IUD. and Or, being or just get the copper the copper one you said, because that seems if, to be if, a- Yeah. If you have a history of mental illness and the a familial mental illness, uh, definitely not the hormone IUD, but the copper IUD because it's hormone okay. free. Okay. No, that that's great advice right there. So let's shift a little bit. What does our monthly cycle tell us? It's telling us everything from our thyroid health, from our fertility health, our stress levels, how well we're taking care of our bodies. Are we pushing ourselves too hard? Mainly those things. I mean, it also tells us what we should be doing at each phase of our menstrual cycle, how we should be adapting to ebb and flow of our hormones in each phase, which there are four phases. Okay. Which... So I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. Jenna actually has a ebook that she has published. It came out, what, two weeks ago, right? Yeah. And do, do you have a lot of this information in that, in the ebook? Yeah, I have everything. So it's called The Period Solution, and it's a 28-day guide to hormone balance. And mm-hmm. I have condensed everything in there to help you get pain-free periods, balanced hormones. And I talk about all of this. So you'll learn about the four phases of the menstrual cycle. So if you're listening to this and you're like, what? There are four phases? What, did that, what does that like, even mean? So much. There's so yes. much we can talk about, but I was like, we have to. I, I break that down, and because it actually influences our our moods, our energy levels our sex drive, our choice of activities in each phase of our cycle. So we have four phases. So the menstrual cycle is anywhere from 25 to 36 days. And we have four phases in the menstrual cycle. And we really, for Mm -hmm. hormone balance, it's best to adapt what we eat, how we exercise, our our activities. So in the period solution, I discuss, I break down what a healthy period is, give you a breakdown on that, talk about birth control, and then give you an actionable guide for each week with your grocery shopping list, exercise plans, a calendar printout. So it's really, it's a fabulous tool. I'm pretty excited about it because I'm confident that any woman who reads it will experience Mm -hmm. a lot of success with their hormones and feel so much better and empowered. They'll be, they'll feel, you'll feel empowered because you'll know more about your body Mm -hmm. and you'll feel better. You'll be able to make better choices and you'll have more of an understanding about how your hormones are working without having to read like a 200 page book. <laughs> yeah. We don't, we don't have time for that. We're, these no. are millennials that are on the go. <laughs> exactly. This is all really, it's mostly recipes. It's mostly graphics and stuff like that, because I'm trying to keep it short and simple. Like this is your period. This is what's going on. This is what you can do. Here's your grocery shopping list. Here we go. I <laughs> uh, got you. No, I wanted to mention it because I know we were talking about different things. So I figured I was like, if anyone has any more questions or want to get in more depth of this, then you can just get Jenna's ebook and learn yes. all about it. I, and I think every woman should know how her body works and know about her cycle. I think it's the most important thing to be able to be connected to that and have that awareness. And I'm not expecting everyone to go back to school to learn about it. But you know what, I went to school and then I just condensed it in this ebook. So you can learn in one little sitting with your cup of cup of matcha and know everything about periods. (laughs) That is very true. So I had another question as far as like hormones and the reproductive system, because we've, like I said, a lot of my friends have are either having children or they're in the 
place in their life where they're going to start to think about that. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask about fertility and why ovulation is so important. Yeah, great question. So we want to be ovulating because progesterone, that hormone I mentioned earlier that is nourishing for our bone health, our heart health, our brain health, our moods, the only way we make that is by ovulating. So that is really crucial that we are ovulating. And a lot of women say, hey, well, I don't care about ovulating. I'm not ready to get pregnant right now. Or I don't care about fertility health. I'm not ready to get pregnant right now. But if you it doesn't matter if you want kids now, tomorrow, or never. You mm-hmm. always want to be fertile because that's a sign of health. So if something is wrong and you're not ovulating, then that means that there is a root problem. And then later on, it's not just going to be lack of ovulation and lack of period. It's going to manifest as breast cancer, Alzheimer's, these pretty serious issues that we should be avoiding or we want to avoid. So how can you tell when you're ovulating? Yeah. So I outlined this in my uh, period solution ebook and more depth. Depth, but basically the three fertility signs that help us identify our fertility window and know when we're ovulating, because that's important. The only way you can identify your fertility window to plan or prevent pregnancy is by confirming ovulation. And the three fertility signs are cervical fluid and mm-hmm. temperature and a cervical position. So basically to confirm ovulation, we use cervical fluid. So leading up to ovulation, you'll notice an increase of cervical fluid and the fertile cerv- cervical fluid. Sometimes you might've noticed this like as a glob on your panties. Mm-hmm. It's like a clear white, stretchy, kind of looks like the egg, the white of an egg white like the, Mm -hmm. you know, the white part of an egg, the egg white, and it will stretch between your fingers. And whenever you see that, that means A, you're fertile, and Mm -hmm. B, you're getting ready to ovulate. Post-ovulation, that will dry up and your cervical fluid will start to be very dry, if not non-existent. Mm -hmm. So you can have an idea that ovulation took place. And then we also use basal body temperature to confirm ovulation. So after, after we ovulate, our body temperature increases by two tenths of a degree and it remains elevated until we menstruate. So it's kind of like a hindsight 2020, like, oh, I ovulated based on my temperature. And to do that, one must take their temperature first thing in the morning before getting out of bed, typically at the, uh, you know, best at the same time each day. Or you can wear a device, like I use something called the temp drop and it's a bracelet I wear on my arm every night and it takes my average core temperature as I sleep. So then in Mm -hmm. the morning I can get up whenever I want and I don't have to worry about taking my temperature first thing in the morning, and I just sync it to my phone. It's much more accurate that way. And then you can use your app. Like I'm, I like Kendara, and you can put in your temperature, cervical fluid that you're noting, and it helps you see when you ovulated or not. But I outline that more in my guide. Okay. But that's the most important way to confirm ovulation. And it's really important to note as well that we don't ovulate on the same day each month. There's that myth that everyone ovulates on day 14. So many doctors will say, yeah, you know, if you're trying to get pregnant, have sex around day 14 or you're ovulating at day 14. But that is a myth. We don't ovulate on the same day each month, actually. And everyone has a different ovulation day. Like some of my clients ovulate around day 20. Some ovulate around day 10. And that can change every month depending on like if you have a jet lag, an illness, stress in your life, you can have delayed ovulation. Mm-hmm. So that's why you really have to, to chart it for accuracy. Oh, okay. That, that, I didn't know that. I mean, I've, I've heard of it and I have an app that just like 
tracks my cycle. So I'm kind of know when I'm ovulating and when yeah, I'm not. But you, exactly. But you know, no app can predict when you're ovulating at all. Yeah, It's just predicting based on a 14 day cycle. So it's kind yeah. of like going out. It's, I like to compare it to the analogy of like, you go out without seeing what the weather is outside and you're like, well, it rained yesterday. So I need my umbrella because it rained yesterday. Um, and you walk yeah, outside yeah. and it's sunny and you don't need your umbrella. That's what you're doing each month. If you're like, well, last month I ovulated on day 15. So this month I'm going to ovulate on day 15. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. No, I've noticed that because then I look for the signs like you told us about mm-hmm. um, checking like the fluids and whatnot. And that's how I know. Awesome. Yeah. And so that's great that you're tracking your cervical fluid. I think that's paramount to really knowing. I think it's a, a step that a lot of people miss because maybe they're kind of squeamish about it or like, eh. but you know what? Get comfortable with your cervical fluid. It's a great tool to know when you're ovulating, where you are, especially if you're using this for fertility planning or pregnancy prevention or planning. So what I encourage women every day for a full cycle, after you urinate, wash your hands and then insert your finger into your vagina, push, and then see what comes out and you'll notice your cervical fluid pattern. So after you menstruate, it'll be pretty dry. Then it will start to get like a lotion-y, like texture, Mm -hmm. uh, increase in liquid, increase in amount, and it'll be more liquidy. And then before ovulation, this could be like five days before, 10 days before, depending on how fertile you are. You'll notice that egg white cervical fluid that stretches between your fingers. And most likely you might even see it come out in globs on your panties. And then after ovulation, it dries up. So if you do that for a full cycle, you can kind of know your pattern. Oh, I see. No, that's a good tip. So ladies, get to know yourself, okay? It's okay. (laughs) Exactly. Um, uh, and then one other thing I wanted to ask is I had a few people actually ask me, like, is there any tips on how to manage painful cramps or PMS, soothing the symptoms that you get with all of that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, painful periods, and I think we discussed this earlier, are not yep. normal. They're just common. Painful periods are just caused from inflammation in the body. So mm-hmm. when there's chronic inflammation in the body, then there's going to be a release of these inflammatory chemicals that we call cytokines in the body. You can think those for those painful periods and headaches that you get or leg pain or back pain, or some women get like the lower back pain and then it radiates Mm -hmm. down their legs. It's all inflammation. It's the, it's the same culprit with different faces. And basically what you got to do is get rid of inflammation. So the tactics I love are making sure your diet is full of anti-inflammatory foods, like focusing on omega-3 fatty acids, like olive oils and ghee and Mm -hmm. uh, avocado oil and, and stay away from processed industrial seed oil, like canola and vegetable oil and soybean oil. And those are very inflammatory and will make more of these prostaglandins, which are those inflammatory chemicals that are going to cause that inflammation, eating lots of quality protein. So when you choose the meats you're eating, if you're a meat eater, make sure it's, it's, antibiotic-free, hormone-free, grass-fed. So you get those anti-inflammatory properties and also making sure that your, one of my favorite tips for lowering inflammation is incorporating these anti-inflammatory herbs in your diet. So turmeric and curcumin are my favorites. You can get the roots at the grocery store and juice them. And what I like to do is I juice them and then I put them in little ice cube trays, freeze them, pop them out at night. And like with ginger, especially put it in a cup, put hot water over it, add lemon, honey, done. Um, And yeah, and and ginger tea, like ginger in in, in multiple research studies have shown, has shown to be just as effective as anti-inflammatory drugs at getting rid of cramps. So ginger, turmeric, incorporating those in. And my favorite, favorite, if I had to go 
If I was going to be stranded on a desert island and someone said you could take one supplement with you, that would definitely mm-hmm. be magnesium for sure. It's my favorite treatment for PMS. It's so effective at removing symptoms such as bloating, mood swings, anxiety, so dramatically that some researchers believe that a magnesium deficiency is one of the root causes of PMS. That said, it's not going to, you know, there's not one magic supplement that's going to get rid of all your health problems, but it can Mm -hmm. certainly help. And it's a key to the puzzle. Wow. No, that's awesome. I mean, there's some, the magnesium, I need to incorporate that into my diet because I don't think I absolutely. I mean, you get magnesium in like green leafy vegetables, cacao, seeds, but unfortunately, you know, our soil is depleted because, you know, well, factory farming, monoculture, things like that. And um, we don't have as much magnesium in our vegetables that our grandparents were eating. Our food is really devoid of these crucial minerals, especially Mm -hmm. if you're a coffee drinker. I mean, it depletes your body of magnesium. So definitely if you drink coffee, tea, you need to replenish that magnesium as well, even more so. Oh, okay. And a lot of these things are in your ebook, like ways to kind of help all of us guide us to better periods, correct? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's like very interactive. And each week there's a grocery list to print out printable grocery list, uh, shopping list for each week of your cycle, recipes for each week, exercise plans, and my supplements, my top supplements, why we should be taking them, as well as a guide on like testing on the best hormone tests that you might want to ask for. Oh, okay. Well, we'll definitely all be checking out your ebook. I know I'm going to be purchasing that today because I, I just want to know more. But for just to end our interview, because I don't want to take up all of your time, um, we could talk about periods all day long, but oh, no, I um, could too. <laughs> <laughs> and but what is just any words of wisdom or advice to all the women that are listening to this episode? Yeah, to trust your body, trust, trust yourself. If you're feeling unwell, if you don't feel like yourself, if you feel like something is off and you go to the doctor and they say, no, all your tests are normal or, uh, you know, that's just part of being a woman. No, I advocate for yourself. Listen to your body. Your body never lies and get to know your body by learning how to read your hormones and your periods and charting your cycle. Really charting your cycle is the way to go and you can be your own best health advocate. Oh, that's awesome. Wonderful advice. Jenna, I just want to thank you for joining us and giving us some of your time and letting us know and learn about our periods and how we can live healthier lives. We'll definitely be checking out your ebook. And like I said, thank you for being a part of Life is Full of Daisies. Thank you so much for having me on here. I really, really appreciate it. I I love to talk about this and I think it's so important. So thank you as well for recognizing the importance of this topic. You're very welcome. And like I said, I'm, I'm glad that there's people like you that specifically are catering and practicing and actually helping women figure it all out because it is very overwhelming. It can be, definitely. But anyways, we thank you so much. You have a great time in Italy. We're living through you. <laughs> uh, and this concludes another episode of Life is Full of Daisies with the one and only the period guru herself, Jenna Longoria. And I truly hope that this episode gave you some hope and answers to horrible periods. Just know we don't have to suffer anymore. Let's take control of our health and our periods. I'll be linking all of Jenna's information on our Instagram page and the episode info with the link to her ebook, The Period Solution. And because I truly believe in this and I want to be able to share the knowledge, I'm giving away two ebooks to my listeners. The winners will be announced on Sunday at 7 p.m. And because you all are listening in on this episode, you get a head start and you can enter multiple times. Here are the ways you can win. Number one, share the episode on social media and that counts as one entry. The second one would be to follow Life is Full of Daisies and make sure to tag 
two friends that would enjoy this episode and leave an emoji or comment with anything you learned on this particular episode. Please put all of that in the actual episode post for Jenna's episode. And that's it. So super easy. So share the episode on social media or follow us on Life is Full of Daisies and tag two friends and leave an emoji or a comment uh, on the actual episode post on the Life is Full of Daisies page. So you could enter multiple times, tag multiple friends. Good luck to everyone. And now moving on to the inspo seed of the week. And this one is from the Female Hustlers, which I found on Instagram. And by this point, I'm pretty sure it's only girls that are listening in because if you've gotten this far and you're a guy, you know, more power to you because knowledge is power. But here it goes. Believe it or not, there isn't a single person you need in this life more than yourself. Put her first. The actual author is unknown, but it is posted on the female hustlers page and putting you first should always be your very top priority because we all have to be our best in order to be the best for others can't fill a cup full if you're half empty you just can't because then you're depleted so you have to make sure that you are taking care of you you make sure that your health and your mental well-being are number one because without those things then you are going to seriously have some issues later on and you won't be able to take care of those others so just make sure that you put yourself as number one and you know be kind and be graceful with yourself as well and that is it for this week's episode y'all don't forget to follow us on life is full of daisies where you can dm me or email me at hello daisy at gmail.com that is H-E-L-L-O-D-E-I-S-S-Y at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcast and give us a five-star review because that helps me grow and reach a bigger audience and be able to give all this knowledge out. Y'all have an amazing week. Don't forget to be kind along the way and do an act of kindness. Bye!